and welcome to Pints and Politics, the July 18th, uh, 2019 edition. This is edition number 64. My name is Bill Templeman. Now, joining tonight in our oh-so-toasty studio is our guest panel on Peterborough's opioid crisis. Uh, present with us is uh, Peterborough's Deputy Chief of Police, uh, Tim Farkerson, our Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Rosanna Salvatera, two Peterborough residents with lived experience of the opioid crisis, Alex Burke and Andrew, and Town Ward City Councillor Kemi Acapo. Welcome all, and thank you. Now, just a week ago, uh, we had a, there was a town, a town hall, a summit at Market Hall, and Many people were there, over 300. However, uh, most of Peterborough was not there. Now, there was some media dissemination after that uh, summit, the articles in the papers. But we're going, to ha- we're going to use at least the first few minutes to do some uh, bringing up to speed of uh, what we learned there. As I learned Thursday night uh, at Market Hall a week ago, many don't understand. The stigma controls perceptions. Instead of seeing addiction as an illness, many see it as a moral failing, a weakness, a character flaw, etc. As a naive member of the public, I, I certainly found the summit uh, last Thursday to be uh, very powerful. I learned a lot. So... We will be uh, retreading at least some of the general points from the summit. Then we'd like to explore next steps and uh, what has to happen next, who must do what, and uh, then we'll get to, of course, finances and the politics behind it and what individuals can do. So, to start off, because we know not everyone who will be listening to the broadcast or podcast was at Market Hall, as I said. Could someone please give us a one-minute definition of what are opioids and what is the opioid crisis? Okay, well, I can start. Uh, it's uh, Dr. Salvatero speaking here. So opioids are a class of drug. It's uh, The natural ones are derived from the poppy, and, and I think what the gold standard is morphine. Uh, they sedate. They're used for pain. Uh, you can you have weak opioids like codeine. Mm-hmm. People have Tylenol number twos or threes. That's uh, a weaker opioid. And then you have stronger opioids than morphine, things like oxycodone or hydromorphone, uh, dilaudid or oxycontin are the, the street names. Then the, on the extreme end is fentanyl, which was an anesthetic, very, very potent. And then now, unfortunately, we have the drug supply tainted with, with another type of fentanyl car, called carfentanyl, which is actually a veterinarian drug used to sedate large animals like elephants so that a very, a very tiny amount can be deadly. Thank you. And what, what is the crisis? Well, just to just to quickly go back to the drug. First of all, it's like to be high off an opiate is the most extremely euphoric experience that I've ever had, and it differs from like cocaine or alcohol in terms of it having a very large hook of physical dependency pretty quickly after taking it. Um, so it's despite having this like mental urge to want it to to continue to use the drug in a way, you're also physically dependent or at least I was physically dependent on taking it. So could someone speak to just why are we hearing this expression, the opioid crisis? What's what's behind that? Well, if you look back, uh, what happened in the 1990s is that Purdue Pharma, the manufacturers of OxyContin, uh, really targeted physicians with 
essentially propaganda, leading physicians to think that opioids were safe, drugs to prescribe. And and many people suffer from pain. Physicians started uh, prescribing mm-hmm. more opioids to the point now where one in seven people in Ontario has had an opioid prescribed in, in a year when you look at 2015-16. So they became very pervasive. Uh, many people say they got their start to an opioid addiction through a pain medication mm-hmm. that was prescribed from a doctor or dentist. And so we saw the numbers of people, st- the death starting to rise in the, uh, about 10 years ago because of that. And then once fentanyl and car fentanyl hit the illicit supply, we've just seen a skyrocketing in fatalities to the point now that opioid deaths surpass the number of people who are killed in car crashes. Okay. Now, could we find out a bit more about who are the addicts? Where are they in Peterborough? Because uh, at Market Hall a a week ago, I was surprised to think, I I had assumed it's a downtown problem, bad downtown, and of course that's not the case. I had assumed that it's people on the margins of society. Again, the the, um, uh, paramedic who was present a week ago told us, no, no, they do calls to homes where people are earning in the six figures. So I want to stop you right there. First of all, many people use substances and uh, can use them without harm. Uh, And then some people run into trouble with substances. But, you know, we don't call people, we don't say you're a diabetic or you're an asthmatic or you're an arthritic. So similarly, I don't think we should be saying you're an addict. You're a person first and you may have a substance use problem, but we have to remember these, these are people, these are friends, these are family. And, uh, and so, um, as far as who uses substances, I think mo- many people do, right? And many people use different kinds of substances and sometimes use many substances at the same time. Yeah, and so I'm an example of someone. Um, my name is Alex Burke, and I live here in Peterborough, and I work here, and I have children, and I'm okay with being called an addict. Um, for me, it's okay. And, um, and you know, in my experience, what I'm finding is that the opioid epidemic does not discriminate. People are overdosing that are heavy, chronic IV users, users, and people that I've known have overdosed who are like casual, um, party drug users. And, and, and so I don't think it's a problem to do with addiction as much as it's a problem to do with the poison drug supply. You know, it's not. In addition, I think it's important to know, though, that people at high risk of dying from opioids are, in fact, people who've been abstaining, who maybe have been in treatment, who've lost their drug tolerance, maybe someone who's been incarcerated, you Mm -hmm. know, who hasn't been using. And then they go back to what was a normal dose for them or the substance they're using has been tainted with fentanyl and they get a much bigger dose than they expected. Sure. Tim. Yes. Thanks, Bill. Um, just to take it back for a second, when we talk about the issue, the and some people call it more than a crisis because that, that word is wearing off But because it's more than that. But if you look at 56 people lost in Peterborough uh, in the city since January 1st, 2017, so when we lost 20, then 17 the following year, and now we believe there's no reason to think any different than what we've come across as 19 in the first six months cool. of this year that adds up and we can go back to oxycontin when we were losing 12 to 17 roughly from 2000 on in the county that was in the in the whole area so it's a huge huge problem for us and 
if you look at what we do in the policing world, a lot of what we do criminally is drug facilitated. So um, mm. people with the uh, people using drugs that have to, uh, and it becomes an addiction, and have to get that, and there's no other uh, source of income for that, then it leads to crime, which which then involves us. But the other piece for us all in here is, even if you can't get your head around the addiction piece, which we all have our head around, and if you educate yourself, you should be able to get your head around that in regards to it not being a moral failure but a medical disorder. Right. That shouldn't be that difficult with a little bit of research. But if you can't, you've got to understand there's still... There's the chronically addicted, but you also have people that are recreationally using at, at any time. That's a huge concern for us. Uh, that could be anybody that takes a Xanax pill because they've broken up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, held out to be that, and it's not because, the, as we've said, that all supply is tainted um, sure. except for, for cannabis. And then you, uh, you, you have your experimental users um, as well that there's sure. a huge concern for, and it could be other drugs, um, not just um, in regards to the opioids, it could be involved in other drugs too. So huge concerns that bring us here. What help is available for uh, people who are using opioids who want to get off them, who want to kick it? Well, as of about a year, more than a year ago, Peterborough had a new clinic funded called the RAM Clinic. So RAM stands for Rapid Access to Addiction Medicine. And it's uh, located in Parn. And in the last year, they've seen, I believe, over 600 people, many with uh, opioid addiction, others with alcohol addiction or mixed addictions. And mm. what RAM does is, it, first of all, it's a walk-in. So you don't, there aren't, right. There's no waiting time for it. You can go into the RAM clinic, be seen, and you can start treatment for your addiction, depending on what it is. And you can be followed there. There are uh, others. There's nurse practitioners and, and social workers to assist with the other aspects of, of addiction. So that's a great resource that Peterborough didn't have going back, you know, prior to a year ago. Uh, is it enough? No. I think that we, we need more than the RAM clinic. I think, for example, it doesn't even run every day. Uh, and if we want to get into being able to offer other options for treatment, like prescribed opioids, we need to have uh, access to a clinic like the RAM that's functioning seven days a week. Now, what did we learn as a community at Market Hall last Thursday? I mean, I had my own experience, but what, what did the community learn? Hi, uh, so this is Kemi speaking. Uh, I think we learned a lot. Um, I think one thing that was really brought into focus, and I think it was you that brought it up, Alex, uh, was, is the, how trauma is, uh, is, is a huge part of this that isn't being discussed. It was either you or Peggy, I can't remember, who brought that up. Um, and I think that's something that often gets overlooked by people, that how trauma, c- affects people and how it perhaps can perpetuate the, the situation. And yes, you might first get a uh, your first dose, I guess, through a prescription, but then you get hooked onto it. And then perhaps the reason why people continue to use it is because of other reasons that have not been sort of addressed. But I also think people hopefully realize how intertwined this issue is and it's not just a matter of like well someone's going to wake up one day and be like okay that's it I'm done 
I am going to walk into the rehab clinic that's next door and do it. I think we also learned about how there's such a lack of resources available for detox, for rehab, um, and even just how inaccessible and the wait times for it. If someone wants to get clean today, sometimes they have to wait three months for that to happen, and that's a really long time. But I'll let Alex talk more about that. Sure. It's sort of being pitched right now as this, like, new problem. But, you know, culturally in Peterborough, we're unique. And I think this is, like, a very old problem. Um, People have been using heavily and partying. And there's this, like, like, we're this post-industrial city where there's this like ingrained in us this attitude to to drink and and party and to unwind that way and um so this was happening in my teenage years and growing up in the same way you know uh just just with the drugs it's happening a little differently and there's you have to look at the size of peterborough like we all know each other we grew up with each other we went to school with each other and there's this great need to save face in the community um to not show any vulnerability um to have this attitude of like i can do this on my own i got this and um and uh i think that gets in people's way of accepting help the help that's maybe not medical help Sure, Tim. Yeah. No, and I'm just uh, thinking, I'm hoping we got across as well, that for the people that are constantly calling the police and expecting us to make arrests, uh, it's really difficult um, when you're trying to explain to constituents that they have to see this. We've learned and we've all agreed that um, use of drugs is more of a health issue, public health issue, than it is an enforcement or judicial criminal um, piece. So we're trying to get that across. Most police services across the country have educated themselves in that, and that's one of the reasons they passed the Good Samaritan Bill, which we talked about uh, mm. before, which was around before the bill S two twenty four. We were doing that in Peterborough many years ago, before that bill even passed. Not charging people with simple possession who are at the scene who are going to be afraid to call nine one one if they fear there's charges, which can lead to more deaths. So we've tried to work on that stigma. We have to standardize that across the country. But that's one of the big pieces for me is that is realizing that every dollar you put into treatment is saving you twelve dollars in health and enforcement costs. To me, that's one of the staggering things. Why are we not investing in treatment more? And I think the other important message for the community is that uh, we, we need to use a four-pillared approach to, to drugs and to opioids. And that means we have to think about prevention. We have to think about treatment. And we've talked a lot about it uh, here now. But we also have to talk about harm reduction. And how do we keep people who are using drugs, how do we keep them safe? How do we minimize the harms? How do we build relationships? So that when people potentially are ready to look for treatment, they, they know they know where to go and 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 how to access it. So harm reduction is another big component. And if right now the message that we're trying to get out to the community is that if you're using drugs, don't use alone. Use with someone else. Fifty percent of the drugs happening in our community are happening in people's homes. Many of the fatalities are happening because people are using alone. We're also asking that people have access to a naloxone kit. And Peterborough Public Health has been working with community partners to get uh, naloxone training out there, people trained in how to use it, get kits out there. But you don't even have to come to us. You can go to a pharmacy and get a naloxone kit if, if you or one of your family members or friends has 
has an addiction problem. So getting so no, and, and it's a rescue drug. It's not the solution. Yes. It's not a solution, but it's like epinephrine for somebody who has an allergy. It's going to save them and buy some time for help to get there. Uh, but it's one of the strategies. And as and as Deputy Chief was saying, I think treating this as a public health problem and not as a criminal problem is really the way to go. Now we lo- sure, Tim, go ahead. Yeah, just briefly because uh, Dr. Salvatore brought up a good point on the harm reduction piece. Because I'm getting a lot of calls in regards to. And Facebook posts, Twitter posts, everything on that harm reduction is enabling. And that's, again, people that aren't still aren't educating themselves. We're not getting our point across um, that harm reduction's job, their premise, their vision is to save lives. And if you look at the um, safe, safe or supervised consumption injection sites, OPSs around the world, there's still, I believe, Dr. Salvatore, zero deaths um, as a result of that. So right there, they've done their job. Zero deaths for overdoses is what we're looking for. So that's their job. It's also a front. We're hoping that the that what we see is feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness of the people that I've come across that are using drugs consistently and it's gotten out of control and so for those people to reduce the stigma at a place that's a, a consumption site with the treatment services the front door it's the front door to rehabilitation and recovery and that's what we want with the wraparound services right. so if you look at the wound care that takes place that's less people at the hospitals right yeah. zero deaths zero arrests we don't the police don't have to worry about a lot of it because it's it's dealt with the people stay in there a nurse right. looks after them yeah. uh, the needles stay there which is another huge concern with people again right. because of the amount of needles that we're finding Parn's doing amazing work. They have outreach workers, and they're doing their job, but we're still finding those. Even with the yellow bins, we're, we're still getting calls on that. But I think it's really important for people to realize that harm reduction is one piece, as Dr. Salvatera said, they're one piece of the puzzle, just like we are. And it's, it's that four-pillar approach. We heard a, a bit uh, at Market Hall about something I wasn't aware of, the issue at least, of safe supply. Are there jurisdictions that have that, that implemented that? Yes, there are. In fact, that's a great question. As, and as close as Ottawa. So there is a physician in Ottawa that has a small practice. He works with people who are homeless or, or street engaged. And he is uh, providing them with a safe supply of uh, prescribed injectable uh, opioids. Uh, other... So could you, just defining what mm-hmm. safe supply is, it's so safe government su- monitored? It, it's, it's, prescri- it's physician monitored. Physician. So it's, tr- it's a treatment option. Mm-hmm. It's offered often to people who have failed on methadone okay. or suboxone, which are some of the more common treatments sure. for, for, for people with uh, opioid addiction. Uh, and it is, uh, it's physician supervised, uh, physician or nurse administered. And there are clinics in British Columbia and Alberta where this is uh, being offered, and certainly internationally, uh, this is uh, recognized, and there's good evidence from randomized control trials to show that it also saves lives and and that people are, are, are able to live more normal, healthier lives and are protected from all the harms that the illicit market uh, subjects them to. Alex? 
So, and I enter this as someone, um, so I've been sober since 2006, clean and sober. I was an opiate user for a long time. I was, right. on, I was on methadone. I was on 180 mils of methadone. And I sort of mentioned that to my hardcore buddies um, that are just coming off heroin. And they were like, whoa, that's a lot. And so where I enter into this working with addicts on the street now is like, um, it's this connection of, of us sharing and being able to be supportive to one another. Sure. And the big thing that's not here is, is like a medical response to this, you know? So for instance, my friend who lives in the South end of Peterborough, who's addicted to purple, what they call purple heroin, he cannot stop using it. He's also juggling Suboxone and Methadone in the mix. Um, he walks from his place in the South end, having used the last of his purple heroin. He's also in a meth binge and he walks from the South end in the winter time up to the hospital and he goes into the emergency room and he says, help me. He says, help me. I need help. And they say, there's nothing I can do for you, you know? And then he may come to us and addict and, and the Ram clinic isn't open. I think the Ram is unbelievable. I think that's incredible. And I think that we're so lucky to have that. But it's we're, business hours. It's, it's three days a week and it's from, yeah, three mornings a week. Yeah. Um, and, but it's amazing. I don't want to, uh, discount anything that Ram, like we're lucky to have that. But the thing is, is this, these drugs are like this, the first step of dealing with it is dealing with it medically. Right. And, and so there's not these solutions and there's not even the solutions that other places are seeming to be able to get off the ground. Okay. London, Ontario with a safe supply. London has a safe supply. Uh, Ottawa. they have, there's a doc, there's a really great doctor in London. Oh. Yeah. Who has a hundred patients, I think. Um, who's prescribing hydromorph. So what's the barrier to getting, if it's happening in Ottawa, it's happening in London? Well, this is a question, this is a question for our, our, this is a political question, I think. <laughs> I can't answer this. <laughs> yeah, okay, bit. over to we, Tim. We didn't have the ability, but yeah, so we didn't necessarily have the ability before. I, I, so it's, it comes with a, a, not a loophole, but something that's extended in the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act that allows certain things that have been happening. And in 2003, when Insight opened up, it was fought. Uh, I think it was 2012, they finally got the Supreme Court decision. All that type of thing um, makes some barriers. And now those barriers are, if you have a community that agrees. So I'll let Kimmy talk on that. But just first of all, if just it's really important to talk about the clean, safe supply for me. Because if yeah. if... Uh, as we said, heroin, we keep saying heroin in Peterborough. There's no heroin in Peterborough, no real heroin. It's all fentanyl. But we still call it purple. Yeah, the street name's purple heroin. Right. So it's just important to realize that. So if that's the poison and we know it's fentanyl and carfentanil that are killing people, why wouldn't we have that discussion? I get it in regards to what people are feeling. They, they're saying it's enabling. But if you look at it's it's more for they try methadone and suboxone first. If those, the opioid agonist substitution therapies don't work, then you look towards um, the, the clean, safe supply with, with a doctor who can who can uh, give that out if you think about our crime just on the criminal part of it alone think of the crime that would cut down on if people yeah. didn't have to go out and break into houses break into cars sell their bodies do all these other things that you have to do because the addiction is so strong right. um, we can eliminate that rate right off the bat save lives um, off the bat and and I, I believe the doctor could talk about it more but hydromorphone really wasn't killing people it was the time release that was killing people so a hydromorphone pill if it gets diverted isn't a huge concern to us if somebody diverted a hydromorphone pill and the and the they're so cheap yeah. um, that it's not that's not a big deal so it's it's a huge thing to talk about and, and you've talked about this at police conferences I and, do and, dis, and dis, there, there are, are other jurisdictions that's that right have this. and not every single police leader agrees with me so that's really important <laughs> to realize that yeah, I, of course I spend a lot of time talking 
talking to police leaders, but sometimes if you spend 10 or 15 minutes educating somebody, they get it. It's yep. just a matter of not getting those pieces out, which we're trying to do tonight. Sure. Kimmy. Yeah. So going back to why don't we have these services? So definitely political will or a lack of political will uh, is an issue. Um, and I think also... Lack of... In Peterborough. It, in Peterborough, across Canada, I would say, but I, w- I would say in Peterborough because I, prior to this year, I don't know if I heard any politician talking about it uh, in a way that was saying that something needs to happen. And yet they have it in Ottawa, and or they have a doctor in Ottawa, a doctor in London who can do this. Apparently. I mean, yeah. I, I can't speak for for past councils or pa- for the MPP or MP, it's pos- it's possible they did have those conversations and I'm just not, you know, privy to them. Um, but it also takes, it, it can't just be one level of government. However, the provincial government does need to step up because they are the ones that are in charge of health. But I think we need to have all three levels of government working together. But I also think uh, in order for the political will to be there, the general population also needs to be behind them because you'll see what happened when Parn tried to open their OPS site. There was a lot of, they received a lot of negative feedback around that. A lot of people saying, I don't want this in Peterborough. I don't want this in my backyard. So if governments are hearing that from the people, they're like, well, you don't have the support of the people, so we're not going to support you. But I think government needs to to lead and i, I want to congratulate uh, mayor tarian for getting the summit rolling and hopefully we sure. can actually do something going forward alex and, and just to that point like in case it's not clear tim tim made it very clear but so the people that are saying we don't want this downtown or we don't want this it, it's already happening it's already yes. happening. I was on a panel of people with lived experience who helped sort of talk to the people trying to set up the 2018 application right. for a safe injection site. And one of the sites we talked about was around the corner from a methadone clinic in the Charlotte Muse with social services. And I don't think they could get in there or something happened. Um, but I also teach an art class there in the evenings. And like actually in the Barron Strip in the Charlotte Muse, people are shooting dope already. You know, yes. people are using bathrooms by themselves, not with others. In coffee shops, they're using the bathroom at Peterborough Square. So this is already happening downtown. You know, yeah. let's just make it happen safely. And there's a good point, too, because yeah. as for the police, the officers on the road, they don't have the tools. So if we're making this a public health issue and the officers don't have the tools to help the constituents that are upset with open air um, drug use downtown, by having the consumption site... Uh, with the treatment services, we have somewhere to send those people as well. And we can do, uh, enforcement can actually have more of a role in regards to business owners that do have legitimate concerns because these people tell me, Tim, I'm trying to feed my family. And two people are using outside my door. I had three people go away from the door. And that might be the only three people I got coming to my business today. Yeah. So we're, the police are kind of caught in the middle of all this, and we have to try and see every side. You've reached the end of part one of this program. To hear the rest of this panel discussion, please download part two, which is a separate podcast. Both parts one and two were recorded at Trent Radio in Peterborough on July 18th, 2019. My name is Bill Templeman.